The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is time for Break the Business, where we empower indie creators and have some fun along the way. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week. I am giddy this week, viewers and listeners. Just absolutely giddy. My heart is beating so fast. I'm downright Twitter-pated. I am so, so excited to have the conversation that I know I'm about to have because I've been thinking about this conversation for the last 96 hours and I need to have it with the person I'm about to have it with. Before we get into that conversation, though, I do have to mention we got a great guest coming up in the second segment. We're going to be joined by music executive Jason Davis of 117. We've had him on the show before. Super knowledgeable, great, great dude is going to have some great insight for us. So stick around for that. Lots of advice to be had. We're going to talk about the Protect Working Musicians Act, the Text has been released for that. We're going to go over that. Big stuff for indie creators there. And we got the A Overlord tip of the week. We got a musical performance later in the show. We got ourselves a jam-packed show. But top of the agenda, the conversation I want to have with the person I want to have it with, that's what we're doing right now. Let me go ahead and bring in our co-host, Katie Zaccardi. Hello, Katie. I am ready for yes. this. <laughs> the stars have aligned, Katie Zaccardi. The co-host rotation landed perfectly on you to have this conversation that we are about to have. Katie, your girl, Taylor Swift, invaded my football Sunday uh, this past weekend in the skybox of the Chiefs-Bears game, rooting on her boyfriend, friend, not sure what's going on there. Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey, Lauren, producer Lauren, always on the spot there, has the picture up of Taylor Swift in the skybox next to Travis Kelsey's mom, and she is just having the time of her life in perfect Chiefs colors all the way down to the Chiefs red lipstick just fully embracing cheese football and just having a great time. And we were all having a great time watching her have a great time. It was great television. The Chiefs-Bears game, despite being a crappy football game with a god-awful Bears team, was the number one rated football game of the day, despite the fact that my Miami Dolphins scored 70 points in a game. It was, it's a, the most points scored in a game in like 70 years. And it got outrated by a bad Chiefs Bears game because Taylor Swift showed up. And I'm, I'm fine with that, by the way. I'm not a bitter Dolphins fan at all. I would have rather <laughs> watched the Chiefs Bears game had I known Taylor Swift was going to be there. Resident Taylor Swift fan expert Katie Zaccardi, your thoughts? A slay. That is my thoughts. It's a slay. <laughs> slay indeed. <laughs> um, uh, I have so many thoughts, it's almost hard to articulate them. 
We don't know if this is just like really good PR to get people talking. You know, there's rumors that it's their first date. There's rumors that they met back in July. Like what we do know is that Travis Kelsey made a friendship bracelet to give to Taylor Swift when he saw her in um, Kansas City in the July show of her tour. But then he was like, oh, they don't like she doesn't talk to anyone, whatever. Did they actually meet? And they were just like throwing us off the set like we don't know but I'm so curious and could it be fake yes does my crossover of and Taylor Swift and apparently now NFL TikTok say that they are soulmates also yes so I am going to believe it's real and I just think it's so cute like I just regardless of what stage of relationship they're in if it's real if they're gonna make it I like the two of them together. It's a very different energy than we've seen before with like her relationships, I feel like. And I love the ability that this gave us to troll men. And I can elaborate on that if you would like. I would actually. Um, what what men trolling is happening by virtue of the... Oh, look at that. There's Travis Kelsey on the left and a very happy Taylor Swift enjoying the game on the right. Um, yeah, tell me about your theory about men trolling from this. Well, it's not a theory. It is a practice. And it's something that I hope to do to some of my guy friends soon. We'll see if I can pull it off. But there is a trend now on TikTok of women saying to their boyfriends or their dads or their brothers, like, oh, my God, can you believe that Taylor Swift totally put Travis Kelsey on the map this week? <laughs> <laughs> like, nobody knew who he was until this happened. And then the men being like, what do you mean? He's what a Super Bowl mean? champion. <laughs> He's yeah, the best tight end in football. Exactly. He's the best tight end out there. Um, so anyway, I love that. It's just so, <laughs> so funny to me. Um, and I really want to do it. I really want to make that joke to someone. But I also, I don't know. I don't know if there are people out there who really do believe that he is more... Um, successful or maybe well known is the word I'm looking for than Taylor Swift because I don't think that is even arguable like it's she's not even close so right like internationally well known you don't have to like her but she is she is more well known than he is just like point blank period more successful point blank period however I I like and I think he likes that he's like pulling up you know what I mean like yeah. I think he likes that she's more successful um, I just hope that men across America can acknowledge that because it is the truth. It, it's a masterpiece. I love every piece of this. I, wh whenever we do an episode of Break the Business, Katie, I I put in fastidious research into the topics that we discuss each week. I know often there's precious little evidence of that from week to week, but I really do put <laughs> in the research. And I'll tell you, like the amount of research I have, for example, on the Protect Working Musicians Act that we're going to talk about this week, I got a nice amount of research. I have maybe a third about as much notes on that as I do about this Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing. I have reams of things, of notes, of topics, of subtopics that I want to talk about with this. I cannot remember the last topic I've been more interested in on this program of many topics that I've been interested in on this program than Taylor Swift in Travis and Travis Kelsey. And, and, and by the way, I, I need to know this from the Taylor Swift expert. Uh, what portmanteau is the T Swift community going with here? Is this swell C or is this quiffed? 
that trailer quiffed. That sounds like, uh, no, I don't know. That's a good question. And they both sound horrible, to be honest with you. I don't like either of them. <laughs> you don't like um, Swellsey? I like Swellsey. Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. See, Quift is good because you can say trailer Quift and like put both names first and last in there, get like a double portmanteau. But but Swellsey has the word swell in it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, okay. I would pick that one if I had to vote. You're right. But that's a good question. I'll have to spend two more hours on TikTok this evening to try to figure out what uh, people are calling them. Yes, please get back to us on that. Because I know I cannot <laughs> possibly have been the first one to think of either of those two names. And the Swifties have probably already ran with this and picked one. Now, look, to the to the point that I think you had mentioned in, in your discussion there about whether this is a PR stunt. I think there is no doubt that there is significant PR stunting happening here, right? A lot of this is orchestrated up to and including the fact of them like walking down the hallway together and leaving in a convertible. You know, mm-hmm. if they, you know, because obviously that, you know, they wanted people to see the two of them together. If they yeah. wanted Taylor Swift to leave the building with nobody seeing her, they could have orchestrated that, right? They could yeah. have like hid her in something and had her leave. They put her in that position where she was walking out with Travis Kelsey because they wanted people to see her with Travis Kelsey. She could have watched the game out of the view in like a more private skybox. They had her front and center right next to Travis Kelsey's mom. This is a PR contrivance. However, I significantly dispute the notion that it is solely a PR contrivance. And for the people out there, the cynics out there who, who just want to, you just don't want to believe in love or at least affinity and affection and think that there couldn't at least be an ounce of admiration between these two like what 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 profit isn't is there in living that way why be such a debbie downer about this why take the most pessimistic possible view of this why can't these two people have some kind of spark that brought them together and then an enterprising team of publicists said yes let's also milk this for everything that it's worth yeah. Let's enjoy this. Let people enjoy this. Don't just be the Debbie Downer. Don't just be the cynic. Like I, I saw so many people like, oh, bread and circuses. This is just bread and circuses trying to mollify the masses. Like, come on, just let this be fun. This is fun. The yeah. I submit to you, one of the most fun things we have in live television is Taylor Swift excited about anything. Whenever there's an award show, You put Taylor Swift in the crowd, you give her an aisle seat because you want to be able to cut to shots of her really excited to see somebody on stage at the award show. That is always great television. The NFL figured this out. They put her in a skybox in view of the camera so that when Travis Kelsey scored a touchdown, you got to see excited Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift losing her freaking mind, which is amazing television. That was so much fun to watch. Yeah, she wanted to be seen. And it's not a coincidence that, like, her 1989 Taylor's version is coming out in a few weeks. And I think there, like you said, there's this beautiful, like, where is it? We don't really know where on the spectrum of, like, PR to, like, they're deeply in love this falls. But I think it's somewhere in the middle. And I just think that both of them, like, he has a podcast. 
she's got stuff that like they both just like to be seen i think and they they're smart about being like all right well might as well break the internet with this yeah um and him wearing a suit that was like called 1989 that had like 1989 vibes like come on i don't know (laughs) how planned it was but um i think there was some mastermind energy behind it personally though i'm here for the rom-com vibes like i just feel like this feels like new and fresh and like fun and like not drama and i love it i'm here it's it's so so cute and to the argument i would say that there is like no romantic interest here i would say in response then why is she meeting his mom why is she next to his mom and by the way that is that is so person in their 30s to meet the mom like within a few days of meeting the person you're dating is like, I got to meet that mom right away. There's no time to waste. We got to meet the family. I got to meet the parents. I got to make sure my future in-laws are good people before we get too deep into this relationship. I love that kind of energy, right? That is not messing around right there. But it's also possible they've known each other for three months now because it was like the beginning of July that she had her show in Kansas City. So she easily could have known him for July, August, and September and they could have been dating this whole time. We don't know. We don't know. But I will say this. To people who think that it's like all PR, I feel morally, I'm like, that's kind of like yucky to get your mom involved in a PR stunt about a fake relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you just got to go tell Travis Kelsey's mom, like, hey, you're going to hang out with Taylor Swift. Yeah, n- No mom pretend. is going to participate in that exercise. Yeah, that's weird. So... <laughs> Especially Mama Kelsey, who is sort of well-known in NFL circles as being like the the classic mom, like the very protective mom, right? She is the mom of two NFL stars because her other son, Jason Kelsey, is on the Philadelphia Eagles. They're both excellent football players, and she she loves and she's like a big mama bear for both of these gentlemen. I can't imagine that she would be a willing participant in a pure PR contrivance to help build uh, Taylor Swift's career. And one of our commenters, I don't know if we have this commenter, we can put it up, but I saw it in the comments. Somebody wrote, Taylor Swift doesn't need the PR. She's the biggest star in the world. True. So like, you know, <laughs> if this was just about PR, like there's a thousand ways that she can get PR that don't involve you know dating Travis Kelsey. That's true. But I, but I think she doesn't need it. But like, again, she's releasing an album in a, few weeks i think october is it's coming like the concert film yeah it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt her to be in the news i don't think she's like gonna be mad about people talking about her <laughs> you know what uh, i mean well and here's my argument that travis kelsey might feel the feelings for one taylor swift and that it's not just a pr contrivance for him travis kelsey could have picked any game to invite Taylor Swift to, right? It's a 17-game season. He could have picked any game. It is no coincidence that he picked the Chiefs-Bears game. That Bears team is atrocious. That is a bad football team. If I want to impress a girl and I'm a football (laughs) player, I'm inviting her to the game where I know we're going to kick the crap out of the opponent. Yeah. And so, like, you know, he didn't pick Chiefs-Dolphins. Yeah. He picked Chiefs Bears. And also, that's that's the game that you want to impress a girl. You're going Chiefs Bears. And interestingly, and you know, Ryan, I'm not I'm not a big sports girl, but I do know this. 
that the Chiefs and the Eagles were in the Super Bowl together, and she is an Eagles fan. So that's a little spicy. Um, there are some people who think this is like some kind of deep undercover operation. Yeah, (laughs) she's, you know, she's a double agent for the Eagles and she's going to eventually destroy Travis Kelsey to allow the Eagles to finally win that Super Bowl that they narrowly lost last year. But I just, I mean, I I don't like, it just seems so, it seems so sweet. Katie Zaccardi. It seems so sweet. And like, the way that Taylor Swift gets excited about things where like when, when, when um, Kelsey scored that touchdown, you could hear her mouth. Let's effing go. And yeah. like her arms are up and she's got that bright red lipstick. I would want anybody in my life to be that excited about anything that I do for a living, even if it's fake, right? If it's fake, it is the most amazing fake celebration I've ever seen. Like, I would rather have her fake celebration of the work that I do than anybody's real celebration because nobody does live television celebration better than Ms. Taylor Swift. Get someone who will fake happiness and excitement about you like Taylor Swift does about Travis Kelsey. That's that's what I'm saying. I mean, if we're going <laughs> to give advice, that's the romantic advice to give. And, you know, and some people are saying, oh, yeah, it's not going to last. It, you know, Taylor, this is what Taylor Swift does. She breaks up with guys. She makes music out of them. First of all, you don't know that that's true, right? This could be the one that turns it around. But also, you know, if we're going to keep the romantic advice coming, you don't define the success of a relationship by the outcome. Some people are meant to walk with us on our journey for a lifetime and some are meant to join us for a brief period, and then we part our ways. But none of those people are any more or less special. And what whatever happens with this Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing, we got to have one magnificent Sunday that was so much fun that we completely forgot that Miami, Miami Dolphins scored 70 points and nobody cared. <laughs> Wait, I, on that note, before we went live, I saw a really funny TikTok that was like, some family posted a photo on Twitter that every Dolphins game, they take a tequila shot every time they score a touchdown. And the tweet was like that. And then it was like, after this game, we are now rethinking this tradition. So those people are dead. <laughs> yeah. So everyone was like, uh, did somebody check on them? Like, are they okay? Because what you said it was one shot of tequila per touchdown. Yeah, yeah. There were 10 touchdowns in that game. Yeah, Katie exactly. That's, that, exactly. Is a, that is an unconchionable amount of alcohol. Yeah. So, All right. thinking of those people <laughs> as well today, RIP. <laughs> well, before we talk about the Protect Working Musicians Act, let's stay with our Travis Kelsey theme here for a bit and go with our AI Overlord Tip of the Week. That was so mean what I did to producer Lauren. I did producer Lauren so dirty there. Lauren, come can you pop in here for a second? I need to apologize to you. That was that was so freaking mean that I, you had no way of seeing coming that I was gonna go to AI Overlord Tip of the Week. There was no way you could have that imaging ready. I am so so page. sorry. <laughs> but but now there are there are there are two images of live television that are from this week that are amazing images and like my two favorite p 
pieces of live television that I've experienced this week are one Taylor Swift celebrating that Travis Kelsey touchdown followed in a close second by the look on producer Lauren's face in the virtual green room when she realized I was going to AI overlord and gave her no heads up and just like how big her eyes got. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. No, my apologies. While we have you here, any thoughts, Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey? Oh, I was going with Tay Trey. Ooh, I like that. Tay-tray. I like that instead of Tay-Tay. It's Tay-Tray. I like that. Because everybody's like, Tay-Tay, why can't we have Tay-Tray? No, I like this is what happens I think that's I the best one. <laughs> I mean, we could just go all the way there and just be like, uh, um, we're gonna go with Taylor Kelsey. And I was gonna say, day. just call her what it is, call her what she is. We'll going Taylor to Kelsey, the though, if something happens between them at that level, is she changing her last name? I mean, I, are we, I, uh, Given their career trajectories, I think he needs to change his name. I was wondering. Yeah, yeah. literally. <laughs> We've got Which, Travis Swift. Travis Swift. <laughs> By the way, Swift, an amazing name for a football player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Especially a wide receiver. <gasps> Travis that? Swift, that guy is going to be an all, all pro. That is a that great is, football name. That being said, imagine the children that they would have. What's and she's f- tall and he's an athlete and she's yeah. incredible. They're oh both God. gorgeous. So why do not? anything. <laughs> Ryan, who's the football player? Because now I feel bad. Who's the football player who changed his name legally just so it was awesome to say? Do you well, know there was there was an old NFL wide receiver named Mark Duper. No, no, no. Who changed his name to Mark guy. Super Duper? Oh, there was Chad Johnson. I'm and he changed his name to Chad Ocho Cinco. No, no, no. There's a way cooler one now. There's another oh. one. Oh, this is too I will, many. I will get back to you on. All this right, one. you, you come back to AI us. Overlord tip of the week. Okay, so in honor of. Of the new uh, Mr. Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, I asked the AI overlord, ChatGPT, to give us a piece of advice for indie creators based on Travis Kelsey. And so here's what we got here. Indie creators, let's find motivation from the remarkable journey of Travis Kelsey. One, overcoming adversity. Early in his career, Kelsey faced a year-long suspension in college that could have derailed his dreams. Instead, he turned it around with determination. Every creator can face setbacks but it's how you bounce back that defines you. Number two, unique role mastery. A tight end like Kelsey isn't just a receiver, but is also an essential blocker. This dual role requires adaptability and a broad skill set. As creators, hone diverse skills. Don't just be good, be versatile and valuable. Number three, authentic connection. One of Kelsey's standout attributes is his ability to form strong connections with his QB, teammates, and fans, and pop stars. I added that last one. In your work, prioritize building genuine relationships with your audience and collaborators. Creators, draw from Kelsey's playbook and find your unique path to success. The thing I'm most excited for about this is all the Swifties that are going to learn all of these football terms and become huge football fans because of this. And now I get another thing to like share with my fellow Swifties about, like we get to talk about Taylor Swift and we're going to talk to Swifties about breaking down nickel defenses. And that's going to be a blast. Yes. I love that. I love that tip that like, way to go, Chad. You really nailed it this week. (laughs) Chad did nail it this time. That was Um, so wholesome and, and true. And it just makes me like Travis even more. 
No, see, this I'm telling you, there's something about this one. Like I, I know you Swifties, you never want to get attached to the person that Taylor brings in next because you never know if it's gonna stick around. But you know, you maybe you might be able to to you know let this one take you to the zoo because you know this one might this guy might have staying power. All right, before we bring in our guest, I do want to talk you know, at least a smidge about some of the things going on in the entertainment industry, Katie. Uh, last week, I talked with producer Lauren about a a new piece of legislation, which is in a way an old piece of legislation, but it has come roaring back, and I'm very glad it's here, the Protect Working Musicians Act of 2023. Uh, we've talked about this bill in the past because it was previously introduced by Representative Ted Deutsch, who has since left Congress, but now Representative Deborah Ross has taken up the mantle of this legislation. We talked about it being introduced last week, but we didn't get to look at the text of the legislation until that appeared this week. And it's a pretty cool piece of legislation. Katie, let me give you a little bit of background on what's going on with this uh, piece of legislation, right? I know you're closely following everything that's going on with the WGA strikes and the SAG after strikes. They just uh, announced that they have a deal. The writers do with the uh, motion picture and television producers. The writers are going back to work. The WGA strike is over. That's fabulous. And they got a lot of big wins from that strike. Um, They're getting better. They're going to get better residuals from streaming services. They're limiting the use of AI. They're going to do some things that are going to get the writers paid more. That's awesome. And so these creators are getting a boost to their livelihood because they were able to collectively bargain as a union to get better pay and to get better working conditions. But there are lots of creators who don't have the ability to do that, one of which is independent working musicians. Uh, Much how, like, you know, independent musicians who, for example, can't get a great deal with Spotify, right? Like, Spotify pays very poorly, and the law does not allow all of the musicians to, say, band together and form a union that would allow them to collectively bargain against Spotify and say to Spotify, if you want all of our music, you have to give all of us a better deal than what you're giving us right now, the six-tenths of a cent per stream. The reason why creators can't do that is because of antitrust law. The WGA can do that because they are legally considered employees. Musicians can't do that because they are considered independent contractors, and labor law does not let them collectively bargain. However, the new legislation, the Protect Working Musicians Act, would change that. The We've read the text of the bill that just came out this past week, and what it says, Katie, is that uh, independent music creators, if this law passed, would not be liable under the antitrust law for negotiating with uh, streaming uh, music streaming platforms like Spotify or even music video platforms like TikTok. Anything where they're negotiating the use of their music on platforms like Spotify, TikTok, YouTube, they can do that and collectively bargain to get a better deal without it violating antitrust law. This is a big piece of legislation for me, and I think it's going to be a big win for creators if it can pass. And if this were a year ago, I would say legislation like this doesn't have a great chance of passing. People aren't talking about, uh, you know, collective bargaining rights for uh, creative professionals. But I think the WGA and SAG strikes are changing things, Katie, where you have people for the first time starting to give a damn about uh, the working conditions of creative professionals. And they're saying, we like that the writers are getting a better deal by collectively bargaining. We like that the actors are getting a better deal by collectively bargaining. Let's let musicians do the same thing. And that's what this law is all about. That is really fascinating. 
And the biggest question that comes up for me about that is if it does pass, how would we do that? Because obviously the actors and the writers are in unions, which makes it a lot more clean cut. Like you're in this group and it's going to strike or negotiate. How would musicians do that? Do you think there would be an organization, a formal organization that pops up that people would join or would someone just have to spearhead a movement? Well, I, it would it would probably be a little bit of both, right? You're going to need some organization created that's going to take all of these independent creators under their umbrella and, you know, some kind of, you know, group effort where this one body can then negotiate against a Spotify, a TikTok, a YouTube to make these deals happen. It's a lot of work as, you know, as organized labor often is, as collective bargaining often is, but it's important work. And it's, yeah. from where I'm sitting, I think it's the only thing that can actually move the needle for independent creators and create opportunities for them because this sort of thing can't be done with legislation uh, in terms of like legislating a better deal for creators because it's just too complicated. You need an organization that represents the interests of these creators to get in there and negotiate on a level playing field with the tech platforms to create real opportunities. Now, here's what I'm thinking, though, and I talked a little bit about this with producer Lauren last week, is this is good legislation and it should pass, but as far as I'm concerned, it's just step one yeah. because... The, the musicians that make their own recordings and you know, put them on Spotify, that's just one group of indie creators that are currently getting a tough deal with tech platforms. I say, what about TikTokers? Like people who make uh, videos for TikTok. What about YouTubers? What about live streamers on Twitch? These are all groups that have to effectively sell their labor to a tech platform that, let's be honest, doesn't pay a lot of them very well. Particularly, TikTok has faced a lot of criticism for how low it pays its creators. Mm -hmm. And platforms like Twitch have faced a lot of criticism in the Wall Street Journal recently about how tough the working conditions can be for streamers and how they have to stream for many, many hours a day just to make enough money to be able to uh, earn a decent living. Um, that's the kind of stuff that collective bargaining can fix. So once we create these opportunities for indie creators, we need a Protect Working Musicians Act for live streamers, for YouTubers, for TikTokers, because they're all suffering just as much uh, against these tech platforms. Yeah, this is just such like a nuanced and vast topic, I feel like, because you have people on in music, on streaming, on YouTube, on TikTok, who are making tons and tons and tons of money. And then you have people who are making none. And there's just like, there's no regulation. There's no consistency. There's nothing. And when I think about this, it almost makes my head hurt because I'm like, there's just so many creators and so many music musicians out there. Like, how are we possibly going to do it? But I think that you're right. Like this is the first step and it just feels so daunting because we've never gotten anywhere close to something like this before. But I am really, really curious to see where this goes, because I think I think a lot of I think a lot of people's perspectives are changing on work and pay in general in the music industry and beyond. And so to me, like this is a really good sign People are sticking up for themselves and finally saying, like, we have had enough. Clearly, the workplace is changing. People are working remote. People are able to be creators. And that is a really valued job. I mean, brands pay creators millions of dollars to promote their stuff. 
maybe millions is an exaggeration just to a degree. Not for, you know, and for many creators, it's true, you know? It's true, yeah. So, like, I think that it is really important that we, like, we are all changing as this is, you know, we're kind of just like letting it change in front of our eyes, but not really like grasping it in like a real tangible way, I feel like. So is so important. And I'm very excited to see what happens next. I am. I share that excitement. I share that enthusiasm. You're right to say that the journey is a long one, right? If this bill passes, that's just the beginning of the work, right? The organizing comes next. The bringing creators together comes next. Uh, you know, being organized, f understanding and acknowledging that as creators, we are stronger with one voice than with a collection of millions of voices in a vast sea. Yeah. But it's going to be really cool to see this happen if it does. And the WGA and SAG have shown other creators the way. We are now starting to see what happens when creators collectively bargain, when they organize for their rights. And I want to see this across the entertainment industry. This is going to be yeah. uh, really, really exciting to see. We already have a request out to Representative Deborah Ross. We are, we're, we're, we're circling getting that interview with the Congresswoman. Uh, okay. There has been communication. We are hoping we're hoping to land that plane because that's I'm I'm excited to have this exact conversation with her. Yeah. Okie dokie. Let us take a break. We're going to talk with music executive Jason Davis. Excited to have him back on the show again. Don't go anywhere. Keep checking out Break the Business. Ryan Corella here. I hope you're enjoying the show and I hope that you're getting a lot out of it. I do what I do because I care about creators like you a lot. I've dedicated my career to helping creative professionals, entrepreneurs, and organizations move forward. I do it by hosting this program, and I'm also proud to do it in my legal practice. If you're a creative professional looking for solutions-oriented legal services to help you further your goals, I'd love to help. My firm RKPA does contracts, commercial law, copyright, trademark, and more. Visit rkpalaw.com to learn more. That's rkpalaw.com. Ryan A. Corella, PA, Miami, Florida. Streaming services for Break the Business provided by L.E.K. Entertainment. L.E.K. Entertainment is a full-service entertainment company offering everything from consultations to full-scale events and productions, including audio and video productions, voiceovers, staged theatrical productions, script and music development, and streaming services. For more information, visit lekentertainment.com. L.E.K. Entertainment wants to help you bring your story to life. Thanks for supporting Break the Business. If you have a question or topic that you want us to discuss, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. You can follow the host, that's me, on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R, and you can follow the show at The BTB Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and on all major podcast platforms. And now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Break the Business, everybody. Ryan Corella here with Katie Zaccardi. According to our friends at CNN, Katie, the clubhouse leader right now for... Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, Portmanteau nicknames uh, are Trailer, Swelsey, and Tavis. I don't know if I like Tavis that much. I feel like, as far as I'm concerned, it's either Swelsey or Trailer Quift, I think is what we have to go with. Wait, what was the first one? 
Uh, it was Trailer and uh, Tavis. Tavis, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I don't not not loving, not feeling Tavis. Uh, thank you all for checking out Break the Business this week. We are thrilled to be chatting with you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for telling a friend for those five star reviews for checking us out on Slam Radio on Sirius XM. Wherever you are enjoying this program, we are just so darn glad that you are. And I am so darn glad to be welcoming back one of my favorite guests on this program. He is a music executive and co-founder of 117, a company that talk business called, quote, one of the most dynamic companies of today's entertainment industry. You can find out more about our guest's work by visiting 117, that's O-N-E-O-N-E, the number seven, dot com. We are happy to welcome back Jason Davis on to Break the Business. Hello, Jason. How are you? Uh, doing so, so well. Before we start, let's get you in on the news of the day. Any thoughts on the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey football extravaganza? Uh, I had no no idea about it up until a couple of days ago. Um, but uh, I hope uh, he doesn't end up in a song. Oh, but I'm kind of hoping he does, though. Like, obviously, I don't want him to be sad. And, like, I, you know, nobody, I don't wish the pain of a breakup, especially a breakup that epic on anybody. But can you imagine the banger of a song we would get from Taylor Swift if she wrote about the downfall of this particular relationship? Oh, my God. It would be spectacular. It would be spectacular. <laughs> so it's been a few years since we've had you on, Jason. Uh, completely my fault. I should not let so much time pass between our conversations because I love your insight. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've been up to since 2019? Just working hard, um, you know, developing artists, uh, trying to get artist record deals and managing artists. And same thing I've always been doing. Uh, it's, thanks to God, it's been busy. Um, but uh Pretty much the same, same thing I was doing last time we spoke, and it is good to see you again. Yeah, busy is better than the alternative, I always say. And I, in, in terms of staying busy, um, I think that kind of translates a lot to the advice you often give to creative professionals to, to find success. You, you talk a lot about uh, working hard and challenging yourself. I've read some of the tips that you give songwriters in the past on how they can find success. And I got a few quotes here of yours that are just gems, Jason. Uh, you said, quote, you should be writing a little bit every single day. Challenge yourself to write at least one song a week. You should be constantly studying the top 20 to 50 songs, studying song titles, song content. You really advocate a, a kind of a relentless, meticulous approach to songwriting where you're constantly creating, constantly studying the marketplace. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I've, I've just found throughout my journey in the music industry, <clears throat> whether it was me when I started out as a songwriter or artist I represent, that uh, the trajectory of what happens for them or what doesn't happen for them. Um, at the end of the day, it really does come down to mainly the songs. I mean, obviously someone's story is important and how interesting of a person someone is, is important. Um, so many other factors, but I, I really have just always seen that the foundational aspect, the, the core of it all, it does, it is a business of songs and it, you know, how good your song actually is that goes to radio or gets put on, like you were talking, streaming services or social media. Um, 
you know, I, I've worked with artists that have really big careers and it is because of the song that they had and, and other factors like their voice and the production and the marketing and branding behind it. But, um, and then I've seen artists completely fail and in hindsight realize that a lot of it had to do with the song. Do you find a, a common thread among songwriters that don't reach their full potential in your eyes? Are there mistakes that you see that happen a lot with these kind of songwriters, something they're not doing, something that they should be doing or something that they are doing that they shouldn't be doing? Um, I will say that a lot of the aspiring artists I meet, uh, they don't write the way that I, I used to write. Uh, you know, write, songwriting is what got me into the industry many years ago. And I wrote for probably about nine years before I wrote my first and very important estate only hit song I ever wrote um, by myself. Um, but, uh, you know, I wrote one right song in nine years. And uh, in, in hindsight, so powerful because I could look back 25 years later throughout my career and tell you that there wasn't another song there that I wrote that could have been a hit. And uh, I would say the first four years I was writing of those nine years, I would go on these spurts where I'd write one or two songs a day, three songs a day. Um, and then I would go through periods where maybe for a week or so I didn't write anything. Um, but then the, the, the last five years I wrote of those nine years before I broke into the industry, um, I wrote every single day for five years and, and I, I would write one to four hours every single night for five years straight. I mean, maybe there was a few days off that in there, but I can't remember there being days that I didn't write. All right. I got to probe this a little more because that seems baffling to me. Just, I mean, if, if, like I think about like the way I use TikTok, for example, Jason, where if I make five TikTok videos and none of them go viral, I'll like stop using the platform for a month. I I have a lot of quit in me. <laughs> I see Katie, like a, a fellow TikToker, uh, smiling at that as well. How does one get the discipline to not just write, but write relentlessly with unyielding commitment for years at a time and not get that hit because you are just confident you know that that hit is down the road and you just have to keep uh hammering away how does one do that how do you do that well that's a very uh, that's a very amazing question um so for me and and i can mainly only speak for myself um i've asked over the years, I've had some key questions. Like every time I meet an artist, I'm always like, how did the record deal happen? T tell me the record deal story. Um, but, and I've asked a lot of songwriters and artists, you know, how many songs did you write before you got a record deal? How many songs did you write before the first song landed on a record or whatever? But I've never actually asked other writers what the driver was for them. Um, I just know other writers wrote, wrote, every, wrote every day like I did. For me, um, and I'm, I would think I'm, I'm not the norm, but uh, when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, sorry to go really deep here, but 
I was uh, pretty heavily abused by my dad. And uh, there was daily beatings for a couple of years. And it really broke me. And uh, I was just very angry, uh, devastated, um, and just broken. And, you know, when you're a kid, I was 12, 13 when that happened. You know, I tell people, like, when you're a 13-year-old or a 12-year-old, there's really no safe place to go to tell someone that you're being abused. Like if I went to an adult, I was afraid that my, my dad would go to jail. And then it's like, what happens to our family? Do we become homeless? And, and, and if you go to a friend, like a, a male friend, you'll immediately be a loser if you're 12, 13 crying on your male friend's shoulder. And if you're 12, 13 and you go to some girl's shoulder, you're definitely going to get kicked off her shoulder. And, uh, so there was really nowhere safe to go. And my cousin was getting rid of this acoustic guitar that her boyfriend had. And I, I, I got it from her cause she was going to throw it out. And it went into my bedroom. I was, uh, I think I was 15 and it was the first time since that happened to me that I had an outlet, um, like a healthy outlet not an angry outlet. Um, and I found songwriting extremely therapeutic for me and it was releasing a lot. And I was able to express myself and express the pain and the hurt. And it was almost like there wasn't enough songs I could write to get it all out. And so I became addicted literally to the feeling of, expressing myself and writing songs and getting my feelings out and emotions out. And I just literally couldn't stop. And I never was doing it thinking I would get into the music industry because that didn't feel very realistic to me. And I never, I actually never thought about getting in the music industry. Uh, I didn't think I was good enough and, and uh, I wouldn't even have known how to do that. I would just make demos every year with friends and, on my own and uh, probably record my favorite four or five songs a year, give them out to friends and family. And uh, the whole time for the nine years I was writing, never once thought about the music industry. It was just my hobby. It was like my passion. It was like my addiction in life. And that, that, that was the driver. So the, you know, to, to perhaps explain the drive to write songs for years at a time without seeing that hit is you weren't necessarily chasing that hit. You were chasing, you, you needed to write. This was your outlet. Uh, this was, you know, as you described your addiction. And so you would have, it sounds like you would have kept writing even if the hit never came because you were being driven by something other than finding the hit. Yeah. I, what happened is as I got older, uh, I would say into my mid twenties, I started getting just a touch happier, <laughs> like not a lot happier, but just a touch happier. And my life started getting a little bit more stable, not a lot stable, but a little bit more stable. And as I became a little happier in my mid twenties and a little bit more stable in my mid twenties, emotionally, uh, the desire to write actually disappeared. And I stopped writing songs and that then I was actually very passionate about finding artists and, you know, 
my, I had already landed some songs on records and I was already in the music industry as a writer. So it was kind of like my, a dream I didn't even know I could dream came true. Uh, but once I got a little happier in life, the, the, the passion and desire to write kind of literally left. Wow. Katie, um, I, I, this is not a, a phrase I like to utter on this show when I'm giving an interview, but I got, I got to say, Katie, I'm not sure what to do with that. You know, I mean, like help, help me kind of help me kind of sift through this, the two of you, because this is a show that is all about trying to bring the best out of creators to give them concrete strategies to find success and, you know, become the best version of themselves artistically. And from what I'm hearing from Jason Davis is that a big driver of his creativity in his own life was just this pain that he went through that, you know, sparked this creativity. And once the pain resolved itself, once he found the happiness he was looking for, uh, his relationship to creativity changed. And to reiterate, I'm not sure what to do with that. That is powerful sentiment. Yeah. And Thank you for sharing all of that with us, Jason. Really powerful story. And I think even though, I mean, I hope that you're the outlier in terms of what you went through because no one should go through that. But I am sure a lot of listeners will really resonate with your story in a lot of ways because so many musicians and so many creatives go to that for the processing. But something that I think is really interesting it's, it's kind of twofold, but I feel like they relate. But this aspect of not pushing so hard for this goal, like you not needing to be a superstar, but then getting, you know, the hit or getting the cut and then being able to pursue the career that you wanted. Even though it seems counterintuitive, I sometimes think that that is a really powerful thing that musicians should practice is detachment. Like, not worrying so much about the goal or the what if or the Grammy or the, you know, creating in order to achieve whatever thing, but really just creating to create and to share your story and to share what you want to say. And that's how you get better because when you are creating, trying so hard to make a hit or to reach a goal, you are morphing yourself and you are morphing your art into something to serve a purpose as opposed to just writing from your soul. And people don't, people don't connect to the contrived art. They connect to the art that is you genuinely saying what you want to say. And I just, that that's really my big takeaway from it, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing I, I try to always tell songwriters and artists I meet is, you know, if I, especially ones that are not writing a lot um, and are trying to write more. I, I always use this. I don't know if it's good, but I use it. I'll, I'll always say, you know, I don't play golf. And if I decided tomorrow I wanted to try to be Tiger Woods, um, the worst thing I could do is show up at the golf course and get a scorecard and get a pencil. Like what I need to do is I need to find a way to enjoy the fact that I'm outside, there's birds chirping. I'm. This is beautiful. Like there's people that have are at work right now, or you know, have it are less fortunate. And here I am on a golf course looking at this beautiful scene. And 
try to enjoy it and and have fun with it. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I say to them, like, maybe six months in, one time grab a, a scorecard and uh, see where you are and then don't probably pick up a scorecard for the next six months. And, um, you know, so it, it is important to find a way to focus on the uh, the beauty of it, the enjoyment of it, the, the fact the that process. you are you actually get to do it. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I dig that. Our guest uh, is Jason Davis, the uh, music executive and co-founder of 117, uh, acclaimed uh, company. And, and this is why we have them on, viewers and listeners, because we get this really powerful insight. And uh, just, I, I'm, I'm a really big fan of, of everything you're doing, Jason, and you know, I'm, I'm thrilled that you made the time for us. Um, before we let you go this week, Jason, one last question for you. Do you have any last tips for the indie creators out there to help them move their careers forward? I would just say, uh, you know, I mean, this is probably general, but there's nothing more powerful than focusing on your craft. Um, embracing weaknesses and not being afraid to go through the discomfort of focusing on weaknesses. Obviously, it's about strengthening strength, strengths and then you know, you, you some sometimes creatives will focus a lot on what comes easy, uh, on what they enjoy to do, but to become truly great, you you do have to focus on the areas you're good at, but you do also have to focus on the areas that don't come as easy and aren't as natural. And we're all we're all created in a way that we're, none of us, no one on this earth, period, is great at everything. Um, when it comes to a job or what they do. And so uh, not being good at something or not enjoying a part of your job or what you're doing, um, it is part of, as you said, the process. It's part of the journey. And if you could embrace it and try to focus on it, on how to grow the weak areas or the things that don't come as easy, I do believe that that's a very big key to becoming great. Find out more about our guest's work by visiting O-N-E-O-N-E, -E, the number seven, dot com. Jason, let us not allow as much time to pass between our conversations. This has been a real treat. Real treat for me, too. It was really good seeing you again. Right on. Jason Davis, everybody, music executive. Um, I, I got to ask you this, uh, Katie. I mean, I'm just blown away by it. I'm as blown away as, as you are by that conversation. Yeah. Uh, when I hear Jason talk about success and what it often looks like, it reminds me a lot of what I've heard creators say about their own relationship with success. I think a lot of times we think of success as a gradual climb up a mountain. You know, you, you're trying to get to 100 and by year one, you're at 10 and then you're at 25 by year two and then you're at like 30 by year three and and you just work up until you get to 100 and it's like a steady climb up this mountain and really what i often think success is can for a lot of people can be the way jason davis's experience was where you are at zero year after year after year five six years of playing to clubs where five people show up or less than five people show up or nobody shows up and it's year after year of that 
and then it all happens at once or it happens in a very short burst and you have to sit through the five, six, seven, eight years of less than zero and then it boom all explodes and it's and it's not as much an exercise of climbing up a mountain as much as it can be just hanging in there until you eventually get to the elevator and you have to wait years for that elevator to come and that's a you know i can imagine that being a challenge for a lot of creators because if yeah. you're waiting years to you know to get you know the burst up the mountain what keeps you motivated when you're just you know when you don't have fans for year after year honestly ryan i think we should like have this larger conversation on another podcast episode where we can go more into it because i have a lot to say about this and it's something i've been almost experiencing in my own life right now where i'm just dealing with that question of like what is success what do i want how can i be happy in whatever in between area i might be in and i think that that a, a big thing we can take from what jason said and something that i think is really really important is finding peace and finding happiness no matter what stage of that success trajectory you are on because you will not be able to hang if you are not able to hang with yourself because it's going to be hard and it's going to have ups and downs and honestly i think that entrepreneurship and if you are a musician you are an entrepreneur um or if you're trying to you know make it as your job you are an entrepreneur it is one of those things that will push you to learn more and more about yourself and to heal the things that you are needing to heal and to like deal with whatever demons <laughs> are coming up because it can be so challenging, but that is how you get through it. Sometimes growth and staying on the road to success is literally just working on and working with yourself so that you do not lose your shit. Pardon my French, but like yeah. I genuinely think that that is, that's part, one of the big keys. Well, and you're right. This is a, a deeper conversation we have to have. We will put a pin until we have you on again next time, Katie, because you're right. This is a, a cool, in-depth conversation. I want all of your insights on it. Before we close this week, viewers and listeners, we have a very special treat for you. This is something that admittedly we do not do nearly enough, and I will endeavor to do this more often. But we have a musical uh, interlude for us here. We're going to close out the show uh, with the a track by an artist named Tyler Miller. This is from his debut EP, Sophia. It's available now. The track is called Switch. And if you are an indie creator and you want to have your music on the show, email us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. Maybe we'll get you on the program, have play you on satellite radio. But in the meantime, we're going to close with Switch by Tyler Miller here on Break the Business. Our thanks to producer Lauren, Katie Zaccardi, Jason Davis, and all of you for checking us out. We'll see you next week.
You think it's time, but you just too hard on yourself. It's not fair. It's not fair. You stop moving forward. You living for knowing. Up in your head for way too long. You're six feet under. Deep inside But I couldn't know it Cause I never showed him That I couldn't say those words out loud Burn one for you too many times Switching for you too many times 